Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast. You can find more relationship insights at focusonthefamily.com slash marriage podcast. When your spouse falls short, when they just don't measure up, you need God's love to forgive them. I'm John Fuller, along with Dr. Greg Smalley and his wife, Erin Smalley, and we're going to hear the powerful story today of how God restored the marriage of Phil and Kay Robertson, the couple that you probably know from Duck Dynasty. They have quite a story of redemption. It's it's such a powerful thing to hear someone's love story and to hear about how God showed up and performed a miracle. And they are a delightful couple. And uh, here they are now, Phil and Kay, with Focus President Jim Daly. Kay, you moved to West Monroe and became involved with, when he you, me out, yes. with your church, right? When uh, he booted you out, I guess, That's right? right? Sorry to say it that way, Phil. But um, tell us the day Phil showed up at your workplace. Yeah, what that, happened? Well, I was coming back from lunch with my girlfriend that I ate with every day for lunch. And... Uh, so what happened was um, I saw that old gray truck out there sitting in the parking lot, and he had his head down on the steering wheel when I saw him. <clears throat> so I went out there. When I opened the door, I looked at him, and he had tears. And he said, look, he said, I want my family back, and I won't drink anymore. And, you know, the part of me that saw the humbleness in him said, Oh, yes, yes, that's what I want. You know, that's what I prayed for. We prayed every day for him. But the part of me inside that said he can't make it without God, I know that. So I told him, I said, Phil, you've got to have help. And Phil said, "Uh, you're talking about God. Well, that's what I love about the story because people are living in that place. Uh, A desperate wife who quietly praying for her husband who's off doing the things he shouldn't do. And he even knows it. Phil, that's the power of the story. And I think for people, the reality of it, the authenticity of it, that moment where you come to Christ, mm-hmm. uh, nobody can take that away from you. You were a different man before, and then all of a sudden you're a new man. I mean, no atheist, uh, nobody who would refute God can argue with what happened in your life. You can go from an evil person to a person who demonstrates love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You're like, how do you go from one group to the other? We tend to look at the word repent, repentance, as a bad thing. I am thankful that God allowed us and gave us the ability to change our mind, to repent, and take a different course of action. It's a wonderful thing that he allowed us to be able to stop and start over. Mm -hmm. You can be born again. And so the change that took place Back there all those years ago, 43 years ago, the change that took place is literally stunning. You feel one, one, it's either luck or there's a God in heaven, one or the it. other. Yeah, I'll go with God in heaven. Hey, I'm <laughs> but, leaning that way. <laughs> <laughs> but when you look at that, too, the family for you became a, an important part of you embracing God, right? You would yeah. kick Kay and the kids out. 
But yeah. then he you put us out. Then you begin to struggle. He and, said I was ruining and you, his life. And you wanted. <laughs> the first time some woman, when I, I got drunk about the first couple of weeks. And, it was uh, longer, about two months. Well, it's two months, so I pulled her drunk. So I said, well, that's all of it. So I'm thinking I'm not realizing the mediating work of Jesus, not counting my sins against me if I trust him and try. So I'm drunk. I'm gone. I'm saying that's all of it. But I go down front and all the church is there looking at me. I said, okay. I tend to be, you know, a little blunt, straight to the point. I went out and they said, Mr. Robinson, can we help you? And I said, I said, pull a drunk last night. You said I got commode, hugging drunk. Yeah, I said, drunk. I got commode, hugging drunk last night. <laughs> we I have said, to describe everything we do, too. And, now, and so I saw these women, they would come up and tears were coming out of their eyes. And one of them told me, I just told her I got commode, hugging drunk. So I thought they're going to say, that's this idiot. So I thought they would be like, you know, get him out of here. But the woman looks at me and she says, Phil, I love you. I'm like. So I'm looking at her. I said, I just told the woman I got commode hugging drunk because she's telling me she loves me. So I got outside of the church building. I told her, I said, do you notice that woman that told me she loved me a while ago? I said, I just told her I got drunk. And she said she loved me. I said, how does that work? And Miss Kay said, Phil, she really does. What I didn't realize is I had never experienced agape love. Brother, sister. Unconditional. Unconditional. Unconditional love. Never experienced it. Yeah. So that was part of my learning process is to understand when I first started, I you didn't, didn't, I didn't know about the love of God, selfless love. I, it, it didn't occur to me until I started seeing it. Well, all those years later, now it's been 40, that's 40 years ago, but you say as you went on your path... You learned as you went, and you learned how to love people that way. I didn't know what that was. You see what I'm saying? Well, if you think about it, even in the culture today right now, um, that idea of feeling agape love, feeling the love that God has for us, um, I'm concerned sometimes that myself as a Christian, I'm not doing that well enough. The most needed, indispensable thing on planet Earth right now is what Jesus said, look, here's the greatest commands that there are. There are no rules except love God and love your neighbor. Well, if we just, if we just did that, just think about what a kind of society and world we would have. It's a hard thing for humans. It was hard for me to learn what love is. Very difficult. It is. It and is. I'll amen that. And you know, uh, f- unfortunately, we have come to the end of our time together, and it's been so good. And I have loved the emphasis on the Lord and the change in your life, both of your lives. And as we end, there will be people listening that don't know their relationship with Christ. They may have uh, said, "Yeah, I believe," but they haven't felt it the way you described a while ago, Miss Kay. And Phil, they're the husband that's not living right. I want to give you some time right at the end here to speak directly to that person that isn't connecting the dots. The great misunderstanding is, biblically speaking, is that most people, the American model, what it does is it says, go to your place of worship on Sunday morning, go to worship services. They'll say, go to church are y'all going to church? You're like, 
I wonder why the Bible never mentions those terms, going to church, worship services, and a structure. Jesus said, look, there will come a time when he talked to this woman at the well. He said, the time has come for you to worship in spirit and truth. So Jesus' point was, America needs to realize, and the ones who are struggling, worship is not confined to an hour or two on Sunday morning, mm. maybe one hour that night and maybe Wednesday night. That's the American model. You say, well, that's three or four hours a week. And there's 168 hours in a week. So you read Romans 12. Here's what it says. In view of God's mercy, Jesus coming down, removing our sin, and guaranteeing we can be raised from the dead, going back into heaven, mediating for us 24-7. In view of that, it says, offer your body as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual act of worship, of service. What we need to understand is whether we're in the supermarket, whether we're on our job, whether we're in the duck blind or the deer stand or the camp, we need to be, in view of God's mercy, worshiping God at all times, watching our mouth, what we say, what our eyes see, how we interact with a, the wife of our youth, you say, hmm, raising your children. Worship is 24-7, wherever you are, you're aware. Well, Phil Robertson is so direct. He does not pull punches, and um, it's true. We just, all of us, every one of us, we need God's grace. And Greg, uh, Phil talked about how it's an act of worship um, to God when we treat our family well. What do you think about that? I love that because the idea of worship means that we're honoring God. So think about a verse like Hebrews thirteen four that says that marriage should be honored by all. So an act of worship around how we treat our family is really thinking about how do we honor our family? How do I honor my wife? I think honor begins when I really, really focus on her value. We, we're, we're not going to honor something that we don't value. You know, you think about as a kid, you know, we might have gotten a particular toy or something from a relative that we're like, for real? And we didn't care about it. We didn't value that. Mm -hmm. So, so we discarded it. Exactly. Or we threw it away. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in the same way, I mean, you think about the verses that say, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What we treasure, value, that's what we invest in, give priority to. And so when, when we talk about honoring our spouse, it really begins by going, okay, God made Aaron so valuable. He says that she's a treasured possession, that he calls her a masterpiece. And, and the more that I keep that in mind, then that sets up how that I will treat her. Mm. And, and that's exactly right. So you've got to see the value in your spouse. And the first thing that goes when we're irritated, angry, hurt, disappointed is how we view our spouse. Mm -hmm. So I, I often, well, not that I <laughs> okay, so no, honest, we, we all want to know where you slip yeah, here. Exactly. No, it's it's here <laughs> So so what I do is I go directly to the source of truth and I say, Lord, help me to see him hmm. with the value that you put in him, how you see yeah, your, your son. Mm -hmm. Help me to see him through your eyes. And amazingly, my heart begins to open and then I thus treat him 
invaluable ways. Again, like Greg was saying, if we don't recognize the value, we're not going to treat something well. So really, really recognize that when your view is off, when you're hurt, disappointed, you're not going to treat your spouse well or your family well. So it's a great opportunity to step back. And what you're saying is really what Phil was talking about, uh, Romans 12, that renewing of the mind, mm-hmm. it's discarding the, the lies that the enemy is whispering to me about my spouse and embracing the truths, the realities of how God sees your spouse. And in the moment, it's remembering that how your spouse shows up right then and there or the interaction you had 30 minutes ago is not who they are. We often put these labels on and start defining them as, oh, he's so selfish or so self-focused or lazy or whatever. And the truth is, looking back, I've known Greg for 29, almost 30 years. Is that who he's always been? Is that how he's always shown up? No. And the enemy would like me to believe that is who he is. Well, let me mention Phil's book, Happy, 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 which includes his testimony and a lot of the great wisdom you heard from him uh, in the clip today. We'll send that to you as a thank you when you make a monthly pledge of any amount to Focus on the Family or a one-time gift uh, to Focus. Uh, You can find details at the website. We also have information there about our marriage intensives called Hope Restored, and so many couples have come through that on the brink of divorce And they have found restoration and hope for their relationship after going through that time. Again, all the details at our website, and we'll link over in the show notes. Next time, we're going to hear from Dr. Larry Crabb about how to let go of your selfishness. Until then, I'm John Fuller, and on behalf of Greg and Aaron and the entire team, thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Marriage podcast.